See if there's feedback this week. Hello. Hello. <clears throat> no feedback this week. All right. Hey. <sighs> Welcome to Sex Machine. If you still do not know what the banana <laughs> on our logo means, you have not been paying attention for the last three weeks. If you still are looking and you're confused, you really haven't been paying attention because our talks have been quite explicit. Like I said, explicit is not leaving anything to the imagination, but not crass, because crass is just crude, but we have been quite forward. The banana represents his genitalia, a.k.a. penis. That's what it represents. The heart represents his heart. And his brain represents his brain. So there you go, now that you have it. The past three weeks, and many before that, in planning all these messages, um, they've been pretty good to me. Actually, they've been pretty great to me. I will admit to you now, considering it's the last week, that when we started this series, I was actually quite skeptical and not as pumped as I usually am. Reason being is I had just finished helping teach an entire huge um, sex series to our youth like a month and a half before we started this one. And we were just finishing up an entire conversation on sex in our Sunday school class. So I was kind of like all sexed out when we started. Like I was just kind of like admitting when I started, I'm like, eh, I'm okay with it, but not that excited. But after we actually started it, um, and it's not like I ever bring a message to you like I know something really, really important and you guys have to grasp my knowledge of it. But I learn stuff and I try to show you guys what um, I picked out because I study and, and we kind of learn together in that. Is after talking about sex for these past four weeks, I've learned new things. I saw new insight and I found new meaning. Even from four weeks ago, I think that sex has become more beautiful in my eyes, has become more interesting. Um, I think I understand it better of what God really meant of it, even than when I started it just four weeks ago. Above everything else than this, though, I've been encouraged in these past four weeks because I've seen people open up their sex lives and say, how does God apply to this? And that's awesome. Anytime we open our lives and we're not so prideful to say that this is mine, but we'll take and we'll say, you know what, I open this up and let's just see what God has to say about my sex life. Not to say that I'm necessarily going to change anything yet, but why don't we just at least compare notes a little bit and see what it really means? That's been awesome in the past four weeks. Talk to people who've actually applied this and looked at their own life and said, you know, this part right here doesn't seem like it matches up, and actually taking time to look at it. That's awesome. That's, what it's, that's what's been really exciting. 
But tonight is our last chapter in the series of four. Um, in the last three weeks, you've learned a lot about sex, pro- hopefully at least. Um, first of which being that God made us to be sex machines. He's the reason why we are uh, such sex machines. He created sex, the inventor, and he made us for sex, as well as a lot of other things. Um, I told you guys all about the fact that when he makes Adam and Eve, the very first commandment he gives them together is to go have sex. That's the first commandment God gives these two people. So God must have seen it as something very, very important. We also went on to learn that God made these parameters for the machine to function inside of, to keep it safe. We talked about the fact that it wasn't just because he was trying to make us holy, but he knew what was supposed to work and how fast and how, what kind of materials and what was going to work best when he set it up. And then last week we learned more about the internal on it. We learned about the programming deep down inside of us as sex machines and how that can affect our entire sex life for the rest of our lives and how all that can kind of function together. But one thing that we've probably noticed, one thing that I've noticed, as we've gone through these last weeks and we learn about what God had for sex, we learn about the inner workings of sex is that there are things inside of me as a sex machine, or maybe inside of you as a sex machine, maybe actions that we've taken or things about us now that we say we wish we could change because this part doesn't seem right. This part here, that stuff in the past, that just doesn't feel right. I mean, um, when we look at back at our past, we see things that maybe we wish we hadn't done sexually. That's a really common one. You're not anyone new to be sitting there and thinking, there's things back in my past sexually that I wish I hadn't done. That's super common. A lot of people have um, sexual regret. I mean, you probably talk to anyone. Probably even if you walked up to people just on the street and you asked them, do you have regrets in your sex life in your past? Most people will probably be like, well, yeah, obviously. People who, maybe when you look back, you wish you hadn't shared everything that sex was with them. You wish I wouldn't have shared that with them. Maybe when you look back, boundaries that you cross personally, or maybe that you influence someone else to cross. And those things can kind of hang on us. Or maybe even just the fact of the idea of the V word, the virginity, and maybe giving it to someone that you wish you hadn't and you could still hold on to it. I personally have things. I personally have things that I look back at my life and I say, you know what, that was, that was a failure. I wish I wouldn't have... Um, taking part of that. That wasn't what I, I wish even for my own life. It just wasn't, wasn't what I should have done. Even the fact of, I mean, there's, there's definitely, I mean, I've been just like anyone else, made mistakes, and I feel horrible for some of the things that I've, yeah, encouraged, my, you know, sexual partners, basically, things that you've done in your past that you say, I wish that wasn't me. You know what I mean, when you look back? But that's common. Or maybe even now when we look into our present, we see things that we don't want in our lives. We see characteristics of ourselves that we know that not only doesn't fall in line with what I want for sex, but I know it doesn't fall in line with what God wants for sex when I've heard about it. It just doesn't seem right. Things like sexual fixations on people. Um, maybe even relationships that we have with people that just aren't functioning in the way that you know God would want it to happen. Maybe not even the way you'd want it to happen. Um, things that we talked about like last week, pornography addictions and masturbation and things in your own life that you say, you know, this isn't really even something I want in my life. And when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I I don't even care for that. But we all have these things, most of us, will say these things really don't don't do it for me. I I wish this wasn't my life. But what happens is, is when we look at it, we don't see any solution. That was part of my life. This is part of my life. And I really don't know what to do about it to change anything. 
How in the world can I make something different? And there shouldn't be the stuff that's put on top of sex. I said from week one, right, God made sex to be really, really cool. God designed us to enjoy sex, to have a great time with it. He made it to be something awesome and carefree between two people. But what happens instead is all of these things in our past are like weights that get put on top of us. All these things that we had done that when we look back, we say, man, I really wish that wasn't me. And when you look at yourself today, you say, all these things just kind of weight me down. And you are, you're, you're held down sexually by this weight, and it's just kind of on top of you. Um, a lot of times, it kind of feels like you have to carry something around, like a weight everywhere you go. And as you go through your life, it might not be that big a weight. This is only 10 pounds. But it's something that's kind of nagging. You know, 10 pounds doesn't seem like much, but if you have to carry it all day long, it gets kind of tiring, doesn't it? You had to carry this everywhere you went, day in and day out. And these things kind of weigh on us, and they start to really work into us. There's some people out there that'll teach you, and there's some of you guys who may even be thinking out there right now, well, all that stuff is the past or it's the present, but that's not going to be my future. It's going to change. I know it will. Um, you might be thinking to yourself, and maybe even teachers have told you this, that, you know, all that stuff, though, when you get married, all this is going to disappear. All this weight, when you get married, you don't have to worry about it anymore because you won't carry any of that with you. You just go into marriage, and it'll be all taken care of, right? How many times have people thought during times of insane lust, times of sexual want, that if I just had that person, man, I'd be all taken care of? Guys, thinking, if I just had a woman to have sex with. Girls, if I just had a man to buy me flowers, hold my hand, take me out to a nice dinner, hold the door for me, give me a soft kiss on the cheek, and then have sex with. On very, very nice silk sheets. <laughs> but you see those things come to our mind, and we think, you know what? It'll all be better. It'll all be better when we find that person we get married. This weight isn't going to be holding me down anymore because then, man, I'll just be able to have sex and I'll be free and I won't have to worry about it anymore. But that often isn't the way that it happens. I have a quick demonstration for you. I asked Kate to come up here and help me. All right, here's the deal. Kate, this is all of your sexual weight. Unfortunately... I wasn't such a good boy. I have a lot of sexual weight that I'm carrying with me. Made a lot of mistakes when I was younger. But anyways, I meet Kate. She's a cute girl. And I fall in love with Kate. I say, you know what, Kate, I'd like to get married. I think that we should get married. Kate says? Sure. Oh, <laughs> made me the happiest man in the world. <laughs> but anyways, we decide, you know what, yeah, we're going to get married. We're right for each other. And we decide we're going to get married. We're going to spend the rest of our lives together. So we decide to unify together. Unify together. <laughs> and what happens, though, is see, when we bring this weight, Kate was a good girl. She's only got some weight. It wasn't so good. I got three times. But when we get unified, it's even. Two on her side, two on my side. So go ahead and let's put these on here. This is 
And see, what happens is most people figured, we got married. So all that stuff, we just drop. We'd be fine. We'd be together, and we wouldn't have any problems, any more of that weight. But instead, what happened is, see, we got married, and all that weight came together with us and then got yoked together just like we did. And what happens then is we both have to carry this weight everywhere that we go. Now, if I'm a nice man, I should hopefully be carrying more weight than she should be. Well, let's us down a little bit because I'm not that strong. <laughs> but we both have to carry this weight. And you see, here's the problem. It's really hard to get intimate when you have all this weight between you, isn't it? How in the world, how in the world when all of this weight is between us and we both have to focus on holding this weight up because of something that's inside of us, how in the world am I even going to ask Kate, hey, Kate, get busy. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. There's so much sexual weight in both of our lives. We can't even focus on that because if we don't, we're going to drop this. Man, it's, it's just a burden on our relationship. It's hard to talk to each other. It's hard to communicate because all this time we always have this weight between us. There's this heavy weight that's burdening our relationship. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. See, people think that it's just going to disappear, but instead... It gets unified together, and that carries right into your relationship. All that weight is between you. And like I said, all those things come right with you into your marriage and right into your marriage bed. Not just in the way that you talk to each other, but yes, how you have sex someday with the person who you marry. I'm saying that, yeah, all that stuff, all that garbage from your life from before, all the garbage in your life from today is going to affect how you have sex with your future spouse. It will. It's going to change things. I told you guys about that statistic that said the number one regret of women in marriage is previous sexual partners. It's the number one regret of women when they first get married. What do they regret about their previous life, previous sexual partners? The marriage isn't going to just magically take this stuff away. People will think that, but it's not. Whatever we carry in is going to stick with us. Oftentimes, the weight might even seem to get harder because one of the people might try to even loosen their grip a little bit, want to pull away. See, what happens is you get married, and the girl finds out that the guy isn't so much of a Prince Charming. He's just an average guy who wants to sit around watching TV, drinking beer every day. The guy finds out that the girl really isn't that into him. She slept with him, had sex with him before they were married because she was trying to make sure that she kept him. But afterwards, she says, you know what? really not that into you. You guys ever read Every Young Man's Battle? It's a good book. There's this guy in here who came to his pastor crushed because after getting married, his wife told him, you know that whole sex thing? Not into it. Don't care for it at all. Man, there can be things that even seem to get heavier when you get into those relationships. Women being confused and men being confused about this sexuality that's between them. But Believe it or not, marriage can be beneficial in this. It's not just this unification of weight, but it can actually be something that's special if sex is treated in the right way before marriage. Um, There's this quote. People quote it all the time from 1 Corinthians 7, 9. If you've been in church or even not in church, you've heard it probably a billion times. It says, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. People use this all the time. Say, man, I need to get married because I am just burning with passion. There are so many people who probably sit down at night and pray this prayer, shaking. I think Christians overuse this verse. 
Maybe even people who aren't Christians who do say I really don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. But they overuse this verse and figure, I burn with passion, so I must get married. But here's the problem is I think that people think that, yeah, because I think about wanting to have sex with someone of the opposite sex, and maybe because I have a problem that I masturbate and I have a problem with pornography, that that naturally means that I need to get married tomorrow because I burn with passion. That's foolhardy. That's ridiculous. I think Paul used this, this, this word on purpose, burn. Because what he's saying is an unquenchable fire. I think a lot of us barely even have a flame in our lives. I think that God can deal with our own sexual desires and to say, man, I burn with lust and I just need to get married, I think that that's kind of copping out. I think that we can take care of it. If marriage isn't going to fix that, then what does it mean? that you're going to have to deal with it before you get married. You're going to have to deal with it now. Now is the time to deal with all of that weight before any of that unification comes. And you saw how it hampered. It, it broke down the relationship that was supposed to be so good because now all this weight had to be held by both of us. If both of us would have taken the time and taken that weight and unburdened ourselves, when we would have entered into marriage, we wouldn't have had that with us. You might even be thinking, I don't want to carry all of the weight that I have with me into marriage. That's not what I want for my life. So then what we need to do is we need to work on it, and we need to conquer it now. Now, unfortunately, most people will tell you that there's no way to deal with it. There's nothing. People have tried and tried and tried, and they said, I've, I've tried at it, failed. Tried at it, failed. Problem isn't going to go anywhere. Whatever you have is what you're stuck with. Paul says this in Romans seven sixteen. He says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things that I absolutely despise. Sound familiar? Sounds familiar in my own life. Pick up something that I want to do, I do the exact opposite. We get the feeling um, that we are caught in some sort of vicious circle, a cycle that happens over and over again that we can't break free of, that we're plagued with. Thinking back on our previous sexual faults, despising our current shortcomings and never ever figuring that our future is going to get any better. The plans that you have, that I have, a lot of times they just don't work. That's what Paul's saying. But see, what's great about it is, is this verse, Paul brings right after it the answer. He says, man, what I want to do, I don't do. And what he says right after this, he says, so if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. If what I decide doesn't work, that I set it up, and every single time it falls down, well, then it becomes obvious that obviously I need to look to a higher power. I need to figure out someone who's got a better knowledge on it than, than me. Well, this is exactly what we're talking about. Man, realize, realize what he's saying is, I can't figure it out, so he's going to go back to the guy who created it. He's going to go back to the originator of the entire sex thing the originator of all your, your sexual desires and all these things, and he's going to look at what he has to say about this. So we have to do as well. Let me remind you once again, God never took away from sex and said, you can't. He didn't take away experiences that we can have with our body. He didn't take away um, the sexual fantasies that we can have someday. All he did is he put parameters on it saying, here's what I want you to do, one man, one woman forever, monogamous together, and I want all of your sexual desires to be fulfilled within that. Go buck wild. I don't care. 
Sexuality, man, roam free with it. But I want it within this parameter because it's best for your life. Sex in the Bible is only spoken of positively inside of marriage and is only spoken of negatively outside of marriage. You see something in that? There's weight inside of that. When they talk about people having sex inside of marriage, it's something beautiful. And there's, like, unity and all these different things. And then they go out and they talk about sex outside of marriage, and it's always this discord, breaking down, destruction in people's lives. Over and over and over again, you'll see that. Not only that, but um, obviously taking part in all these impatient sex fillers, as I would call them, such as pornography, masturbation, all these things. Um, God didn't put all these different, these, these parameters on our sex, like I said before, for his own personal piety, but he put them on for our own protection. Like I said before, man, God loves you, and I'm not saying that because that's some sort of theology that I need to push on you, but it's really true. I read before to you Lamentations 3, 32-33. I love this verse talking about God. It says, If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard. No pleasure in making life hard. In throwing roadblocks in the way. See, as man, God didn't try to set up all this stuff to, to slow you down, to knock you down, but he put this stuff up because he loves you. God set these parameters out of love. Unfortunately, it often takes us to go all the way to this point, all the way through all those mistakes, to the point of looking at our own life and saying, it's a mess, it's a shambles, until we finally realize, hey, God's plans actually made a lot of sense. A lot of times it takes all the way to there, unfortunately. We can try to reset our own parameters. Just like Paul said, he said, obviously I need to look to a higher. I need to look towards what God's commands are. We can look at those parameters that God set and... Um, there's a problem. Have you ever had like an audio device or computer or whatever, and you jack around with the settings? You change everything. You customize this, you tweak that, and before long, nothing seems to work correct anymore. And if you had to decipher, man, what's the right parameters, and then go back through and reset every single one of those, that takes a lot of time. It's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's difficult to go back through and to follow back um, all the different things and reset those to whatever the, the original program was. Um, I want to read for you, continuing, actually, in that Romans verse in 7. And you guys don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to read it um, for you. He says, But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? So 
what he's saying is, even after we get all these parameters, even after we find out what God wants for us, he says, I know them, and I try, but I still keep on failing. I'm trying to reset. I'm trying to bring everything back, but I say it, but I don't do it. You see, when a device is ridiculously whack, a machine is completely just, everything has changed and it seems impossible, there's this amazing way that the creator put into it, and it's called a reset button. A lot of times it's hidden. It's tucked away. It's not like a big button on the front where you get to touch it really easy because maybe it's you know, really important, but it's tucked away. It's hidden. A lot of times maybe you even have to have a pen to take and push it to reset the, the device. But what happens is when you push that, all of the things that have been changed, all the parameters that have been reset and are forgotten, and then the device kind of reboots back to the original settings that the designer put into them. That's what Paul's saying. He says, isn't there something that's going to help me out? Isn't there something that can bring me back? God put a reset button on us on us sex machines. A way to start all over again and get rid of all that stuff that we're dragging behind us as we walk through life. All that weight that we're carrying on top of us. Paul continues in this verse with this. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the by the influence of sin to do something totally different. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. He says, but he is here. The reset button does exist. He's saying that Jesus Christ can start it all over again. That's the power that he has. He has that ability that you can take and you can, you can call on him like your reset button and everything can go back to what was originally there. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. What he's saying is you're not a washed up, cleansed, soaped down, scrubbed up, shaved version of your old self to make look clean, but he says you're brand new. Just like that device when you press that reset button, everything that's been done is erased, gone, and it all starts over back at square one. That's what it's saying is, is what Jesus Christ can do. All this stuff that we've piled on top of us, all the weight that we've set on top of our shoulders sexually can all be taken away. Not just the sexual stuff, but everything else. I mean, if, do you guys remember the story? Do you guys understand it? That we were created on this earth, and Adam rebelled, and that's the whole, the whole, the whole gist of it, where it all started from. But what God said is that there's, there's things in this world that he doesn't like. Basically, things in this world that are destructive to his creation. That's what he calls sin. And what he says is, is when we sin, the wages for that sin is death. It's a law. It's a universal law that God put in place. If you sin, you die. And he said, when you sin, you don't just die, but you die for eternity. There's a place called hell, a real place, where people go who decide to live in this eternal death. But he says, That's not, that doesn't have to be for you. Instead, what he did is he sent Jesus Christ to the earth. 
Jesus came and he did not sin. Well, let's look at the law. Wages of sin is death. Not sinning is life. But then he died anyway. Well, how could Jesus die? He couldn't die because he hadn't sinned. It's exactly it. He didn't die for his own sins. Instead, he carried all of our sins and died and paid for those things. All the sin that I was supposed to go to hell for, all the sin that was supposed to carry me down, he took to the cross and paid for. Like I said before, that means that the sin that I did do, the sin that I just committed today, the sin that I'll commit tonight before I go to sleep, and the sin to the end of my life, to the moment where I lay down in a bed and I might die, he paid for all of that. And he says that all I have to do is I have to trust him to be my God. And I have to say that I believe that he did this for me. And then what I have to do is I have to say that I'm going to make him my Lord and say what you want for my life is what I'm going to do in my life. And he's going to take care of all the rest. That's the reality of it. Um, the phrase that you guys have probably all heard a hundred times, John 3.16. I want to read it to you, John 3.16 and 17 in the message. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, that none will be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. What I'm saying is that if you ask Jesus to be your reset button, he can take and set that all over again. He can clean up all that stuff in our life and he can just get it away from us, separate it, and we can start over again. I'm not saying that all those things in your past and all those things in your present are just going to disappear instantly. But what I am saying is, is just like Paul mentioned, he said you have a new power that's working. You have God's power working in your own life. You ask God, the designer of sex, to say, you know what, I've made a mess and I need you to help me. I need you to help me clean this up. And God has the power to do that and says, you know what, we can get rid of this stuff. We can make you like new again. All those things in the past, I can help you to forget all that. That doesn't have to be your life anymore because you're new in me. And all that stuff you're dealing with now, I'm bigger than that. We can take that out of your life too. He says he came to help. And you know what happens too is when all this comes about, you can stop worrying about it so darn much. Because that's what happened is all this sin is on top of me, all that weight, and it's just a constant worry of trying to hold it up. Psalms 55, 22 says this, pile your troubles on God. That sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? No, Psalms 55, 22 says, pile your troubles on God. He'll carry your load and he'll help you out. Excuse me. He says, basically, just take all that stuff that you're worried about and give it to me. He says, I'll carry it for you. I'm strong enough. Don't worry about that stuff anymore. Man, just live. Just live. The designer of sex, the one who created it, had the very best plan from the beginning. He knew what needed to be done. He understood what was going to take and destroy his sex machine. See, like I, I said before, a lot of times we take and we change what God wanted for sex, and we think that it's working out better. I said before, maybe we speed up production. Um, we use cheaper materials, whatever. We take off the safety guards, and production is up, and it looks great. Man, we are, we're just, our sex machine is working at a, at a better productivity than it ever did, but then inevitably what happens is this crash. 
because you're using it outside of what the creator realized was the best way for it to function in the safest way for it to function. What's the best for the machine itself, not just for everyone else? We have to trust him in these circumstances. Let his parameters become your parameters. And what happens is you'll finally become that sex machine that God created you to be. Man, if you become that sex machine, you're not going to be disappointed. God, had, God created sex to be awesome, and you're going to experience all of that. But he just said, just within some of these parameters that I set for you, that's what I want for you. You can become that sex machine. So I have a couple of different responses tonight. One is if you say, you know what? I need to push that reset button in my own life. Maybe I've never even accepted Jesus Christ as my own Savior to, help him, to ask him to help me out and to help him to take away my, my, my sin and my past and make my life new. Maybe that's the first time tonight and you say, I need to do that. Or maybe you say, you know, I think I might have said that before, but I'm not 100% when I sit here tonight. If you're not 100%, it's not good enough. You say, you know what, I need, to, I need to come back up and I need to sit down just for a second and I'll talk with you guys. I'll be here for you guys. Just to chill for a second and say, you know what, I just want to ask God again. I want to make sure. And I want to recommit that and say, God, I really do want you to take and change my life. Get rid of this old stuff. Make me new because I'm ready to, I'm ready to live a life that's going to basically benefit myself and benefit you. Not just that, but I also have for you guys, um, there's a stack of papers in the back, I believe, and there's pens. And all of that stuff from the past and all that stuff from the present that you say, this is not for me. This is just not who I want to be. This isn't who I'm supposed to be. This isn't what God wants me to be. I want you guys just to pen it down. And what's cool about this is because in a little bit, we're going to take them, we're going to destroy them. So you can be ridiculously frank on them. No one's going to look at them. So I got my hibachi out here, and I got some lighter fluid. Is after you guys write down all these things, these old relationships, or maybe these problems from the past, you say, I don't want this anymore. God, you need to take care of this. These are cares that I'm just going to cast on your shoulders and tell you, man, I'm not going to worry about them anymore. And then when you get done with it, I just want you to kind of crumple it up, walk up here, and pitch it in the grill. When we all get done, we'll take it outside, douse it with some lighter fluid, and set that sucker ablaze and get rid of it. So either way, both directions, what I want you to do is I want you to respond tonight. We'll just spend a few minutes. Um, we'll lower the lights in a second. But I want to pray with you guys, and I want you guys to respond. I'll get the papers wherever they're at, and I'll give them to you. Um, but just pray with me for a second. Lord, I thank you for your design of sex. And I hope that we realize that your design was, was the most perfect, that when you looked at it, you saw um, everything from beginning to end. And you didn't design it with flaws or with failures, but you designed it um, just to function the absolute best. I pray to you, God, tonight you would just work on our hearts. I pray to you that the things of the past and the things of the present that we need to change, that we just be able to let go of them, those cares that we need to just give to you and let go. But also if we say that we really don't know if we have a relationship with you or I, I know I don't have a relationship with you and I want you, I want you in my life to take and change this tide of where I'm going. And tonight I just pray to you that you would just work in us in that as well. I just thank you for what you're going to do tonight and I just pray to you, Jesus, that you would... Um, you wouldn't fall short on this, that you would just truly work all the way through our hearts. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.